Wicked Cool. Feature alert. Hey there, podcast fans. Thanks for listening. Now, you can also reach out and send me a text message. On every episode at the top of the show notes, you'll see a link that says, send us a text message. Simply click it, write something super nice and sweet, and away we go. Also remember to please subscribe, share this podcast with a friend by telling them about it, and leave us a positive review, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcast streaming service, or even on our website at www.afraidofnothingpodcast.com. In a world where nothing is known, nothing is certain, reality is not real. Wake up! Be afraid of nothing. I'm Bob Heskey. Robert. The host with the ghost. This is my podcast, based on my paranormal documentary, Afraid of Nothing. Each episode, we talk to people who see life and the afterlife through a different lens. Join me. Who is this large man? And what's he doing in our bedroom? As we lift the veil and open our minds to see beyond our eyes lie. This is Afraid of Nothing. Nothing. Born into an Irish Catholic family, Colleen Costello came to the United States when she was 23. After an accident, Colleen met her guardian angel during a near-death experience. From that time on, she began receiving messages from angels all the time, and eventually learned how to channel these messages to help others. Today, Colleen, also known as the Celtic Medium, is an internationally renowned Irish psychic medium, tarot expert, para-investigator, radio host, and TV personality, featured on shows such as Paranormal Lockdown and Destination America, among others. Her website is www.theangelicspirit.com, and you can also find her on Facebook. Hey, Colleen, thank you for uh, being on the show, and welcome. Thank you, Bob. It's so wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I think we have a, uh, some common friends in the paranormal world. Uh, my last interview was Marion Luwama from the S.K. Pierce House. And I've actually seen you, your name around and about. So I, you're, you're someone I've been wanting to talk to for a while. So it's great. It's great to finally meet you uh, over the uh, computer, if nothing else. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, I know Marion well. I've known her for quite a few years. Yeah, she's wonderful. And I've also investigated the S.K. Pierce Mansion. So that's a great place to go. Absolutely. You know, one of the places in there where you, by the way, uh, had some experience. There were two places which I saw from a video that you were on, and one was the billiard, billiard room, correct? You had you went into the closet, and there was some really bad mojo going on in there that you, you, you picked up on, correct? Oh, in the S.K. Pierce mansion? Yes. Oh my gosh, yes, the billiard room. That is correct. Yeah, that was uh, when we investigated there. I think I investigated there probably around, I think, three years ago. Uh, yes, that definitely did not have good energy when I investigated there at that time. 
Uh, yeah, uh, that's the one with the closet. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where blood. Yeah, there was or a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of negative energy coming from the closet, and uh, definitely it had very cold energy and negative energy in that room. And I did feel that at the time that when I was in uh, the billiard room at the at the mansion, that there was, I think, uh, when I was there, that there may be some form of abuse that maybe went on in there, and that maybe. You know, there was some people that were locked in the closet at the time and kept in there. And uh, I did spend some time in the closet by myself. I did actually go in there by myself. But um, yeah, I got a lot of uh, a lot of energy in there, cold spots and things like that. But it was a very interesting place to investigate. Yeah, when when we did the uh, we did a I did a documentary Afraid of Nothing. We had a shaman go in there, and what was weird with us was when we went in, he had. There were two mics. One was on Ken Watson, I think you may know. Oh, yeah, I know Ken, yeah. Yep. And the other was on Brad, uh, Little Frog Hudson, who was a, sh- a shaman. And in certain rooms, like that room, and then there was another room, a servant's room, where this woman was supposed to be cuddled in the corner, huddled in a corner, like in distress. His mic got staticky. It wasn't everywhere, but it was a couple places. Like there was almost some energy mm-hmm. disruption. Did, did you guys have any audio issues when you were there filming? We had issues in the basement. We definitely had issues um, in the basement. At the time, I was, um, yeah, we had issues when we were investigating in the basement with where there was um, a spirit in the basement that tried to uh, separate me from the uh, the men that were investigating with me. We're, I was investigating with Rich Don Boise, uh, the Candyman, um, and Jerry uh, Christian that, Witten, Jerry yeah. CV and yeah. Christian Witten okay. at the time. Um, yeah, and uh, when we went down to the basement, when you go down to the basement, down the end of the stairs, and there's a room to the right, uh, there was a, a spirit down there that wanted to separate me from the men. And that's where we ran into some like audio issues and some things like that. And, and somewhere the flashlight would turn on and off. It was like, it was weird. Yeah. So there was definitely some. Yeah, issues that was, down there. you know, mm-hmm. I saw that on YouTube and there was a, you were asking questions and literally the flashlight was turning on and off almost at your request for a period of it, a couple minutes. It, well, what happened was it's not actually on the video. What happened was the flashlight would turn, would turn on, but it would glare right in my eyes and then it wouldn't turn off unless I moved on demand from one side of the room to the other. So what happened was unless I literally moved so we'd ask for this. I would ask for them for Spirit to turn the flashlight off. And he wouldn't turn the flashlight off until I literally moved from one spot and crossed over to the other side of the room. And when I crossed over to the other side of the room, I'd say, now will you turn it off? And when I moved to the other side of the room, he would turn it off. So it was like he was making me do these movements, like he wanted to have control over what I did. It was very scary. It was actually a very kind of eerie kind of feeling because it was like that he was like, well, I'm not going to do what you asked me unless you do this first. And that's kind of wasn't on the video, but that's what actually, I think it caught the tail end of it, but that's actually what was happening during the investigation was that I literally had to move from one side of the room to the other. And then I would, I would do is I would go back and he would shine the light on me again. And then I would say, can you please turn it off? Can you please turn it off? He wouldn't turn it off until I literally went across the other side of the room. Then I'd say, now can you turn it off? And then he would turn it off. So it was, it was very weird. Now, do you find, we're going to go into kind of some background. I'm sorry, I kind of jumped into some common ground this first, but when you, <laughs> when, when you go to, the, maybe we're connected in a past life, who knows? When you go to these older houses with older spirits and deal with men, 
you know, back a hundred years or whatever, they probably were more disrespectful to women than hopefully they are now, right? Do you do you run into that sometimes where some yes. of the older entities want to be dominant and are kind of dismissive of you as being a female? Yes, definitely. I will definitely say that, that yes, there are. I definitely, when you go to some of the older homes where men would have been more superior, or, you know, would have treated women less than, you know what I mean? Um, completely different to nowadays where they will kind of, or they'll frown upon or like the spirits will feel like they have to control you or they actually do not like like certain rooms of certain homes. Uh, and I also felt that in the billiard room of the S.K. Pierce mansion where it was solely where, and I'm sure Marion probably told you, it was where the men of the home hung out. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. kind of where the men went. And that's exactly what I felt when I walked in there, that I was not welcome. And I felt that in other places where I've investigated also, where I've walked in and I felt like as a woman, I felt like I was not welcome there and that I should leave. And that I've actually been sworn at on investigations where I've walked into certain rooms where I've been told to bleep off, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. As so many, we know with that, you know, and been told like, you, you don't belong here and get out and women don't belong here. Certain to that extent in very old homes where, where you're not welcome here. That happened, the Paragon, the Mass Paracon that was in Western Mass. Uh, J.P. Morgan's sister, was it Ventfort Manor? I'm trying to remember the name of the place. So you, have you ever been there, Western Mass? Um, I haven't been there. there I would a, like to go, though. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, I'm butchering. I, I know of the name. it. Yeah, it was, it's called Ventfort Manor or something. Mm -hmm. and yes, Ventfort, There yes. were, on the second floor, there was one room, there was a ghost photographer, and she was like, you got to go down here, and there's a man, I'm very uncomfortable, there's a man in there, and I didn't pick up anything. And I had like I had my spirit box out and you know trying to do the best I could. I, I mean I, I sensed nothing, but she was and she was very uncomfortable and it got stronger and she actually had to flee and leave the building because she's like oh, I didn't sign for this. And other people, the the psychic that kind of walked the the house before we got there had also set up there that they, in that room there was a man that's very dismissive of women. So that's kind of why I thought, wow, maybe when you go to these older houses, you got these old kind of. You know. Oh, absolutely. Are places where there was a lot of men or a lot of male, you know, prevalent and, and things like that. Yeah, where they, they you know, are, and, and they they can get um, physical too, where they might push you or shove you or intimidate you. And being a psychic medium, you know, I'm very prone to the energies and I can feel them and I can hear them. And it's, you know, because it, I'm not just a, a, an paranormal investigator, but I'm also tuned into their energy and I can also psychically hear them speaking and all of that and hear them swearing at me and things like that. So I'm also very tuned into that. And I won't stay. If I feel like I'm being threatened, I will leave. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not scared at all. Like as a paranormal investigator, I, I'm not scared. I'm not, I don't get scared. But if I feel threatened, if I feel they're going to, cause physical harm to me yeah i'm gonna get out i'm not hanging around to find out you know they're gonna push and shove me or you know yeah, anything I mean, like that so but they can get I mean, aggressive that's like they if can you're get in aggressive. a yeah. place with the living <laughs> you know you may not be afraid of them but they're just bad people you know and you, it's time to move on well their personalities are the same in as i explain to many people and as i always try and explain to people when i'm doing readings through paranormal investigating or even just readings from clients, people in the spirit world, their personalities are the same as they were in the physical world. So if they were aggressive in the physical world, they were aggressive in the spirit world. If they were nice and they were pleasant, if they were outgoing, extroverts, introverts, however you are in the physical world, you are the same in the spirit world. So it's, it's very, you know, you're the same person. 
You know what I mean? You are exactly the same. And how they come across and how they act and how they behave and how they sound is exactly how they are in the physical world or in the spirit world as they were in the physical world. Do introverts have less guardian angels because they don't like the company or what? Or does that matter? Oh, gosh, no, of course not. It has nothing to do with the amount of angels. <laughs> Definitely not. I got to tell you something, though. I, I'm a little disappointed that I, I, I'm hoping I become a better person once I move on to the next life. I mean, I think I'm a good guy, but, you know, there are things I'd like to fix in my personality. And I, I part of me wondered, was hoping that I'd evolve more. So do people, I mean, like if you're a bad athlete and like you're whatever, does that follow you throughout every reincarnation? No, or if you're no, definitely kinda, not. No, I hope not. <laughs> Thank you for my sake. <laughs> I'm a bad athlete, so <laughs> a terrible one. <laughs> no, you're okay, you you cool. you're person. No, definitely not. No, um, it's actually uh, what a wonderful thing is that how uh, when somebody crosses over from this physical world into the spiritual world, one thing that I do love about doing readings is that people who have ailments or people who have severe disabilities who cross over from the physical world into the spiritual world they're gone and that's something that is absolutely wonderful people who are in wheelchairs people who have ailments people who have diseases and they have things that they cannot do in the physical world that is all gone when they cross over to the spiritual world and it's absolutely wonderful so there's wonderful benefits <laughs> so like someone with i had a mother who passed a couple of years ago with uh, alzheimer's so she had dementia mm -hmm. you know and she didn't last couple of years of her life she didn't really recognize me which was really kind of traumatic of because your whole life, you're you're the center oh, of I mean, I you're a mom, right? A, you're the center of someone's yes. life, and then they look at you like you're the average Joe out in the street. And it's so when she passed over, she it the fog cleared, so to speak, for her, and the dementia was gone. And she absolutely, yes, absolutely, she is perfectly clear-minded, and everything comes back to her. Yes, absolutely. It's wonderful, and that's what's so wonderful when you connect with the other side, and when that's what what I love about my job more than anything is bringing people together with their loved ones on the other side is bringing that connection together those things that were so sad and so heartbreaking when you went through that with your loved ones when they were towards the end of their life they went through diseases or they had all these physical ailments or disabilities and now they don't have it anymore and they can come back and they can tell you that they're okay and that they were there and they that you came to visit them and they remembered you came to visit them and that they want to thank you for being there for them and all these wonderful things because now that they're okay and that's what's so wonderful about being able to bring people here in the physical world together with their loved ones who've crossed over to complete that circle. It's absolutely wonderful. And, it, you know, it brings a lot of comfort and closure for people. It's exactly what I was just thinking, the word comfort. I'd like to like get back and focus on, I kind of went on a tangent a little bit, but this is great stuff. I want to go back to kind of talk about your beginnings as a, as a, a medium. But first, can you tell, can you clarify what's the difference between a psychic and a medium? Okay, they're very different. And I think people don't really know the difference. People seem, tend to think they're the same. But a psychic is somebody who helps you, guide you uh, with your future and gives you spiritual guidance in the sense that, for example, you know, uses their intuition, their ability. They have the ability to tune into you and help you with your future, help you with what you're going through in life, guide you into your future. They can tune into things that you can't tune into. They're extremely intuitive. I've always been extremely intuitive. I started reading tarot cards when I was 17. I self-taught. I used to have intuitive dreams. I used to have dreams when I was a very young child that used to come true. I always had, I'm an empath and an empath is someone who is in tune with other people's feelings. In other words, you can feel other people's feelings. In other words, if someone's extremely sad, you, sad, you can feel their sadness. 
you're very empathic. You can feel their anger. You can feel their pain. You're in tune with them. You're not somebody that says, oh my God, that person's sad and just goes on with your day. You, you, you can feel how they're feeling and you can empathize with them and say, I understand how they're feeling and you know how to deal with that. All of these different things, how you can help people in life. You can use different methods of helping people guide them in their future. Like I said, tarot cards are one ways, oracle cards. I gifted in the sense that I can communicate with the angelic realm and that's a whole different story. We'll get onto that in a second. I know you're going to get onto that. That must be the psychic <laughs> part know, of it. I, I knew we were that. going to get onto that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, those kind of things. A medium is something completely different. A medium is somebody who can connect with the other side. A medium is somebody who can connect with your loved ones crossed over. They can connect with spirit. In other words, a medium is someone that can connect with loved ones, animals, pets, loved loved ones, human beings who have crossed over, who have passed, who have died. And they can communicate with them. They can communicate with their energy. They can deliver messages. How it's done is we're just really a vessel. What happens is I became a medium was as a young child, as a teenager, I used to hear voices all the time, lots and lots of voices in my head. And in the beginning, you think you're crazy and you're not going to tell anybody that either. Trust me. So you hear lots and lots of voices. And we should say this, just intervene. Uh, was one of my questions was, you grew up in an Irish Catholic family. And that's especially a situation where you probably would keep it to yourself. Exactly. And growing up in an Irish Catholic family, that's not something you're going to go bring up at the dinner table is I'm hearing voices in my head, mom and dad. And uh, I think people are talking to me. Yeah, definitely not. I used to block them out, tell them to go away and I would go about my day. Uh, The psyche part, like I said, was something completely different. I would go to, uh, you know, ruins and locations where I would see and feel things all the time. The mediumship part, I would hear voices in my head. So the psychic part of me, I delved into reading about things like that, like tarot. I ended up teaching myself how to learn tarot because that was something I was drawn to. The mediumship part came later on in life because they're so different. And I I eventually had to learn how to decipher the difference between my own voice in my head and the voice of somebody else that was trying to communicate with me. And that's something that's very hard for a medium is... How do you know that it's not yourself talking to yourself and you know that somebody else is trying to give you a message for somebody? Because you actually think, because it actually sometimes sounds like yourself when you're thinking thoughts. Like when you hear something, it's like you hear something and it's only when you hear it two or three times that you think, well, I'm not going to say that to myself two or three times. So somebody's telling me something or you hear somebody saying, tell somebody some such and such a thing or that's my brother, that's my sister, that's something. And you think, I just didn't hear that. So you doubt yourself. You think you're crazy. Honest to God, it's true. When you first become a medium, you think you're going crazy. And I know there's many mediums out there that will agree with me who have gone through the same path of in the beginning. You doubt yourself. You question yourself. You look to other sources to say, is this really happening to me? Is this real? Is it not real? And then you read about it and you look to other people who've done it or who've gone through the same thing To I used to call myself the reluctant medium. <laughs> Because I used to do, I did psychic readings first and I was very reluctant to do medium readings because I doubted myself so much. But what happens is in becoming a good medium is you have to remove the self-doubt and you have to trust spirit. And it takes a long time to finally remove your self-doubt and actually begin to trust spirit, trust that the person giving you the message and just say exactly what they're saying. You cannot decipher. The difference between doing a psychic reading and a mediumship reading is... 
a psychic reading, you're using yourself, you're helping along, you have to decipher the reading. So you're using your own intuition along with whatever you're using, tarot, whatever, to decipher the reading. A mediumship reading, you are not using anything of yourself. You're not deciphering anything. So you're not getting involved. You're literally just, spirit is telling you, say this, and you're literally just saying it. So you cannot decipher it. You cannot make up what you think it is. So if they tell you, tell this person there was a Christmas tree someplace or there was a red ball somewhere, you can't say, oh, I think maybe the red ball means this. You can't decipher or make it up. You have to write exactly as it is because it's up to the person that you're giving the message to to know what it means or to decipher what it means. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So if... In other words, if I give you a message, like if your mom came through to you and said to you a certain thing, right? For example, I don't know. Okay, so this is really weird as I'm talking to you right now. I don't know. Are you thinking of writing a book or something? Um, you know, it's always in the back of my It's the only thing I haven't done. Like I've, I've done graphic novels. I've done doing podcasts now. I've done... Uh, films documentaries you know dramas so because she keeps showing me like for example your mother right now keeps showing me a book and she keeps saying to me this is something very easy that you keep putting off but it's a paperback and it's like something very easy that you keep saying you're going to do and you haven't done so she keeps showing me this right and she's got the easy button on yeah. the easy button yeah, sure. easy button Staples. Yep. easy and she's like bob bob and she's calling you Bobby. So Bobby, you haven't done this yet. You know what I mean? And you need to do it. And she's like, uh, you're procrastinating. So she's like, you're procrastinating. You need to get this done. Okay. And she's like, something like that. You've, But there's something that you've done other stuff, but not this particular thing. And it's weird because it's like something super, she's saying it's easy. I think writing a book would be hard. I think of writing a book is super hard too. It's something I've always wanted to do, but there's something that she's talking about that should be super easy for you. And it's, I almost feel like it's something to do about your own life and about yourself and about your own town and where you grew up or how you grew up, almost like an autobiography. I don't know. It's weird. So, but anyways, but those are the kind of things like I can't interpret that. You have to interpret that. You have to figure out what that means. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You had mentioned earlier, like, you thought you were going crazy and you didn't really have a mentor. I know, doing research, you had had a near-death experience. So my question to you was, I was going to ask who your mentor was. Was your mentor a human being or was it based on the head trauma from an accident where you had a divination? I mean, what was your your mentor to help you realize you weren't crazy and you should go on this path? I didn't really have one, to be honest. I never really... I don't really follow people, I'll be honest. I'm not really someone that's a follower um, of people. So I never really was like, I love this psychic, I love this medium, I'm gonna, I wanna be like this person or like that person. I'm kind of more of a person that keeps to myself in the sense that I'm kind of like, I just wanna, whatever's meant to be will be, I'll do my own thing and whatever happens, happens. So you never took a class or a weekend getaway on mediumship or psychic lover? Yes, there was actually one person that I started reading her books was Doreen Virtue. Doreen Virtue was the angel person. And the only reason I got into her was because after my near-death experience. Yes, that was after my near-death experience. Because I had, when I had my near-death experience, I witnessed I, uh, Archangel Michael. Now... I never had any contact, like being an Irish Catholic, I always went to church, I went to my novenas, I did all the things like a good Irish Catholic girl would do. 
but I was never obsessed with angels. I never had, I mean, it's weird. When I look back now at photo pictures I drew as a child, I always drew pictures of angels. Never really realized that, which is weird. But I never had a thing where I was like, oh my God, I love angels. I collect angels. I'm into angels. Anything like that. It was just a normal Catholic upbringing until I had my near-death experience. And then things started going weird after that. And it's like it opened up a whole new realm for me. Can you explain? Can you kind of set that up? Sure. Just step back quickly. So you grew up in an Irish Catholic family. You kind of knew things as a kid, but you never shared it. I think then you went to college maybe, and then you did some parlor tricks or did some stuff with friends. You said, hey, you're really good at this. Yes. And then it wasn't until you got in, was it a car accident that you really, and the light went on? I actually, yeah, when I was in college, uh, when I was a teenager, I, I taught myself tarot cards when I was 17, how to read. I was really good at it. I also did a lot of reading of other, um, I got some really old books on divination and things like that and psychic books. And I was very interested in all of that stuff. And then, you know, I would read some friends and everything would come true and they'd all be like, oh my God. It was just for fun. It was nothing serious. It was just, I would read me, read me. Can you read me? And then I'd go working. Can you read me on your lunch break? Sure. I'd read people, but people were always astounded because everything I told them always happened. They would always be like, oh my God. And I would just be like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> I didn't want anyone to get too carried away with because I didn't want people to take it too seriously. But at the same time, it was happening. Were you a medium at that point? No, that was just psychic. I wasn't doing mediumship readings at that time, but I was, yes, actually I was. Actually, the first person that I actually started doing mediumship readings was my husband. I started to date him. And when I started to date him, his father had just passed six months before, well, not even six months before I met him. It's really weird because his father was the first person to really start I don't want to say annoying me because that sounds terrible. <laughs> Boy, an in-law annoying you. Go figure. But, <laughs> but it's almost like he was kind of like really bringing it to the forefront because he really wanted to get messages across to my husband, my now husband, but at the time, my boyfriend, who I was scared to tell because I thought he would go running and screaming and run away forever. Um, and it was funny because... All of a sudden, I, you know, I, first of all, I dreamt of him and he welcomed me into the family like after like the second date. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I could see him. I could describe him clearly. And I'd never seen a photograph of him. And so that was very weird. And then and then he started giving me these really detailed messages. And I was like, so then I ignored them at first. And then he just kept at me and at me and at me. you've got to tell him this, you've got to tell him this. And I was like, oh my God, he's not going to leave me alone. So then finally, like, as my husband was walking me home one night, I said to him, I, I, look, I was like, I've got to tell you this. And I said, you've, you know, you're probably going to dump me at my front doorstep and run away and never come back. But I said, here, here goes. So your dad's been coming to me <laughs> <laughs> and telling me oh, these boy. things. <laughs> So then I just threw out there and I said, here's the risk. I'm throwing it all out there. <laughs> and he just stopped dead in his tracks and he's just like, his mouth hit the ground and he was just like, what? <laughs> and the funny thing is like, his poor dad died at like 53 years old, God rest him. And, you know, ha you know, he was very sick and he died of cancer. And he, he literally, jokingly, his dad had a great sense of humor and he jokingly said to his father, when you die, don't come back to me. I don't want you coming back as a ghost. I don't want you come, you know, don't scare me. So, of course, his father decided to come back to me, sent me <laughs> along. 
instead. And I think that was the joke that his father sent me along to bring all the messages. Do you think his father had any reason of you kind of connecting then? Or was he just kind of after you guys were dating, he showed up? Or do you think he maybe kind of helped bring your fate to his son? I don't know, but it was it was kind of ironic and it was kind of funny at the same time because everything he told me to tell him was such such detailed things that there's no way on earth anybody could have known what I knew. That's what blew my husband away. Like at the time, like he was like, there's no way. Um, for example, there was one particular thing he told me. He told me, he said, there's a clock that he had rent, like they had restored him and my husband when my son, my husband was little. And it was this old fashioned antique clock. And he said to me, tell him to go look for the clock that we restored together. He described the clock to me and he said the clock has been missing for a few years, but it's behind the wardrobe in the upstairs bedroom. It fell behind the wardrobe and he can find it there if he goes look, goes and look. So I told him about the clock. I described the clock and my husband was like, oh my God, he nearly like died. He was like, that is the exact clock. And then we went back to his house the next day and my husband went into, he had this big old fashioned house, uh, like really an ancient house, which was haunted too, by the way. Yeah. We went there and he went upstairs and he said, I've got to go look. So I said, well, your father said, look behind this particular wardrobe in this particular room. He goes up, he comes downstairs and he goes, oh my God, he's got the clock in his hand. He goes, it was there. So that was like an exact, and it was just, <laughs> so I was like, okay, <laughs> he was just, yeah, he was a little scared. And then he was kind of like, this is, I, he was like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about <laughs> But, you know, so that was kind of where it all started. And then I start, like, I then started to believe in myself because I was like, this is crazy. I was like, this is real. Like, I'm actually really doing this. It gave me more faith in myself. And then that's when I started to believe that I actually had this gift. Because I think before, I wasn't really sure. So that's kind of where it all started. Was that before your accident? Yes. So we moved to America after we got married. And we I was 23 when we moved to America. And... Yeah, I had my accident when we bought our house 2001. I actually, it was a freak accident. I was washing my dog and we had just got a puppy, seven month old. We adopted him from a shelter and he was seven months old and he was rambunctious. And uh, I decided to entertain my nephew who was over to visit from Ireland. And I had the leash wrapped around my wrist and I was washing him with the hose out in the backyard. And I was using a glass pitcher to rinse him off because... I don't know why. It was stupid. And he pulled me. He decided he didn't want to be there. And I fell on the glass pitcher and the glass went into my leg and I severed a major artery in my leg. And the glass went right down to my bone and I pulled it out and I ended up basically dying, basically, in the ambulance. I mean, I had to get eight blood transfusions. I ended up in ICU, intensive care. I had to have an eight-hour surgery to try and I almost lost my leg. I destroyed my leg. That's one of the most freakiest accidents I think I've heard. Yeah. So, but what happened was on the way to the ambulance, they almost lost me. But I, as I was bleeding out on the way to the hospital, all of a sudden, all the pain just disappeared. All the chaos, they were all like in the ambulance. They were getting, trying to get, stop the bleeding and get me there as fast as they could. And they couldn't stop the bleeding. And all of a sudden, everything stopped. All the pain disappeared. And I started going to this, as people describe this beautiful or a happy place. I can't even describe it. It's like what everyone says. You cannot describe how wonderful that is. 
I just felt so happy and peaceful and everything was wonderful. Everything just, the sound went away, the noise went away, the pain went away, everything was beautiful. And it was like this beautiful, I don't want to say a light, but it probably was a light. I can't remember. It was just beautiful and clear and gorgeous. And then all of a sudden, then I was jolted back by the EMT slapping me and trying to bring me back and saying, come back, come back and telling the ambulance driver to put his foot in it. And it was all crazy after that. The next thing I remember was waking up in ICU after having a nine hour surgery and coming out of surgery. And as I was, before I opened my eyes, I could hear somebody walking up and down on my right side. And this is what's the weirdest thing. I could hear somebody. Now my eyes were still closed and I could hear somebody walking up and down on my right side, slowly walking up and down and up and down. There was somebody there. All of a sudden, that person just walked up and down and stopped beside me, walked up and down and stopped, walked up and down and stopped. And I was like, it's Archangel Michael. Don't ask me how I knew it was Archangel Michael. I knew it was Archangel Michael. I could see him in my head. I could see him at the side of me because I tried to open my eyes ever so slightly. And I could see him there. And then the next thing, this nurse comes running in, is like she's awake and all this chaos started up and he was gone. Did you know who Archangel no. Michael was from your religious nope. background? No, I did not did know. Just, no, mean, just, no. Okay. Like I said, I had no particular affiliations. I didn't follow angels. I didn't look up Archangel. I, I never knew like anything in particular about him. Nothing. And it was so weird how like... So you knew who he was, but never had any I knew it was Archangel. You know, nope. education or training nope. about it before. Nothing, nothing. And so after that happened, I forgot all about it. And I had a three month, I was months and months of recovery and physical therapy, try to walk again, the whole thing. And it was basically months and months later, weird things started happening. <laughs> so I started like finding feathers around my house, seeing these random numbers. Now, it was the weirdest thing. I was like, I would look at things and these weird numbers would pop up. And then it was like all these crazy things. So I literally thought that something had happened. No, because I had eight blood transfusions. I'd been through so much. I was really traumatized. I thought that I was losing my mind. So I thought like, okay, all these weird synchronicities and coincidences and weird things started happening to me. And I thought something is wrong with me. So I started telling my husband, I was like, I was like, I'm seeing all these weird things, these weird numbers. I keep seeing these numbers over and over again. And he's like, okay, <laughs> you know? I, I could just picture your husband when you say, we have to talk, he must, his face must go, oh he's my like, God. He's like, oh God, is it my again. dad again? <laughs> what has he got to say now? Yeah. And, and but it was, I mean, I'm not kidding you, the weirdest things. And it bothered me so much that I actually in the beginning thought it was bad. I thought I had this really eerie feeling that something bad had happened to me. And then I started thinking like, was it the blood transfusion? Is there something bad? You know what I mean? Like, like, did something bad happen yeah. to me? Because I knew the near experience thing, but then I was afraid to delve into that. And then all of a sudden I was like, I got to start looking it up. So I got on the internet. I started looking up. Why am I seeing these numbers? Why are these things happening to me? And all of a sudden it started coming up. Angels, 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 angel signs, angels, connections, everything angels. And I was like, what? Wow. That was how I started to find out. And I was like, this is very weird. And that's when I started looking it up. And there was a certain number that kept coming up. And it was the number six. And when I looked up the number six, it was connected with Archangel Michael. That was weird. And there was just so many coincidences and synchronicities that I started reading about it. And I was like, okay, this is very unusual. 
And the more I looked into it, the more things. And then I started to accept it more and open myself up more to it. The more I opened myself up more to it, the more things started happening. And then it started to all just come in and flow in. And it was like, whatever happened to me during that near-death experience had connected me to whatever that line was, had connected me to the angels in the angelic realm. And what was the timeline for this? It was months. It was a couple of years. It didn't happen overnight. It was a very slow process because it really took me time to kind of figure it all out. Doreen Virtue was somebody that, that had a lot of information on the angels at the time. And I read about her because she had written a book called Angel Numbers and their connections. Angel numbers, people see a lot of them, and I bet you have too. One of the numbers Yeah, I get 11, common, 11 a lot, actually. Yes, like. everybody. That's one of the first ones that people see. And 11, 11 is just a number that people see. It's kind of like getting a little tap on the shoulder, kind of it's a little reminder, pay attention, you know, to your surroundings, to everything. But the numbers go from 11, 11, then it starts, it's triple digit numbers, goes from 2, 2, 3, 3, 3, 4, 4, 4, 5, 5, 5, all the way up to 0, 0, 0. Don't say 6, 6, 6. <laughs> no, that one we delete. That one's missing. <laughs> Don't even say it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm going to delete that one. <laughs> Edit that one out. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, we don't we don't say that one. So all these numbers, and the higher you go, the more connected you are to the angelic realm. And it's actually they all have different meanings, and you can Google them, you can look them up, and they're all they all come to you at different times when you need support, when you need that, like uh, when you're going through hard times. There's so much more, and actually, uh, I found out like when I finally found out the whole connection with Archangel Michael, that everything I was seeing was connected with Archangel Michael. That's when I opened myself up to Archangel Michael and he connected with me with all the other stuff. It was crazy. Like how, like I said, it was a slow process because it's not something that any of this stuff is not anything that you can rush. You cannot rush anything that's spiritual. You can't just, it's not like taking an exam or it's not like going in and just reading a book or learning something. Anything that time you work with spirit or work with something that's spiritual, you need to take your time and allow it to happen at, at its own pace. You have to put it out there and open yourself up to it and allow it to happen at its own pace. And everything happens differently for every person. When you had said you had a near-death experience, I almost assumed it was head trauma because you hear about that a lot where it's almost an inciting incident that you know, wake someone up because they've been ignoring the signs for so long. So I, I wonder if you, you you said it's got to come to you, but sometimes the spirit or the uh, the angels have to play their hand and kind of put you in front of something to wake you up? Well, it's any, I mean, it, it was a near-death experience. So I came close to death. I mean, the point is I almost crossed over. So I reached that point. I mean, any type of near-death experience is when you're, almost, you know, when you've almost left this world and it puts you very, very on a very thin veil. There's a thin veil, you know what I mean? But you don't even have to have a near-death experience to experience different spiritual awakenings in your life. Your life can change at any time. And this is what I tell people all the time. And I see it more and more recently with my clients and with people because there's so much negativity in the world right now. I mean, there is. But at the same time, I'm seeing more and more people who are becoming spiritually awakened, who are all of a sudden deciding to leave their big, huge corporate jobs, who are leaving, who are deciding to change their lives suddenly, and they want more spiritual satisfaction. They want more from their life. And it's good because I think people are starting to realize they want more substance. What people don't realize is that we all have a lot of spirituality in us. And we can, if we just open up, we're all intuitive. 
we can all change. You know, you know, I hate when people are just like, I can't change my life. I'm, I'm just who I am and that's it. I'm never going to change. I don't believe that. I think people can change. I mean, yeah, okay, there's a lot of people that are just evil people in the world. They, you know, but I do believe that there's good in people. Yeah. Is that kind of Archangel Michael's message to you? I mean, if you're going to describe him, I have a couple of questions about how would you describe him? You know, he, who, what he's like to the, you know, listeners and how is he different? How is he different from other angels? Oh my God, he's amazing. He is, he is, he's a warrior. Archangel Michael is somebody that if you want somebody that's going to be like a spiritual warrior for you, that's who you want is Archangel Michael. Archangel Michael is this big, huge, powerful angel. He's like, if I could describe how he looks like, he will be like six foot five and this big warrior. That Four is or like, like that, you know. Poor type man that is just protecting, you know. what He carries um, a sword and he carries a shield. The sword he uses to cut away any negativity in your life, negative, you know, people, negative things in your life, that's what he uses the sword for. The shield he uses to protect you. So he will walk, he will walk beside you, he will walk in front of you, and he will protect you in battle. Strength, courage, protection, that's what he does. He is strength, he gives you faith, he gives you courage, he gives you protection. That is your warrior. That is who Archangel Michael is. He is strength and courage. That is what his job is, is to provide strength and courage for you no matter and help you through any battles that you have to face in life. And that's what I love so much about him because he is the angel that brings you through any battle that you have to face in life. He is the head of all the archangels. Like there's different angels that are assigned for different things in life. Like for example, the other angel that I absolutely love is Archangel Raphael. He's the angel of health, meaning like mental health, physical health. Like you send him to people who are ill. Like he's the angel of um, police officers, firefighters, things like that. And a lot of people know him as that. I did not know he was that angel, but mainly I know him as the angel. Like I said, he's just amazing for strength and courage. If you need him for anything that you're going through in life, if you're fighting any kind of things, and, and everybody's fighting something in life that they need to get through, pain, sorrow, addiction, family issues, anything that they're going through in life, anything, he's, your, he's the guy that you ask to be with you. And he's got this beautiful strength. His colors are uh, the color purple, um, the, uh, the color, the other color he has is this lovely uh, teal. So teal and purple are his main colors. All you have to do is ask him to help you. And that's the wonderful thing about the angels. You ask them to help you and they'll be right there by your side. And when you ask the angels to help you and say, you just get up in the morning and say, Archangel Michael, can you be by my side today and help me with this? You, I have, I need help because I'm going to court or I have an issue or I have anything that you need help with and they'll be right there for you. You just call on them. And people often ask me, well, how can they be everywhere at once? You know, <laughs> but they can because that's how they work. They're there to assist and they're there to help. And they're amazing. Now, now you mentioned Ar Archangel Michael and Raphael. Were there other favorites that you had? They're my two favorites. There are lots of other angels that are also out there too. Everybody is assigned a guardian angel at birth. So every single person, when you're born till the day you die, is assigned a guardian angel. So from the minute you're born or conceived you're born, you have a guardian angel. That is separate from the other angels. Are they, I was going to say, they're not like of the stature of uh, Raphael or Michael, right? They're like your 
<laughs> well, I don't even know what they look like. Mine's probably wrecked because I think mine's probably like, oh my God, she's put me through so much. Yeah, yours is retiring soon. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone and your guardian angel, um, and you know, your guardian angel takes care of you through your whole life, like I said, until the day that you cross over to the other side and you're whether you're reborn again or whatever you sign another one again but your whole life and they're there to protect you they're always there you know like as, as I say to people you know to, to protect you and then you have your spirit guides and your ancestors that protect you your spirit guides are your loved ones who are crossed over like your mom is probably your spirit guide because when your loved ones cross over their job is to now protect you and watch out for you and protect you. I mean, I'm sure you've heard many times like people have car accidents and are things where they're like, oh my God, I shouldn't have survived this. Like, how did I, you know, make it out of this car wreck? I should not have survived this. That's either your angel that protected you or it's your spirit guide. It's either a loved one that's crossed over. And I get that a lot in readings where I'll get like, that was your grandmother, like where a grandmother will come, you know, through in a reading and say, you remember that car accident? I was there. And that's why you survived that accident. When I did the documentary, I I went to haunted places like Lizzie Borden with a shaman. I went to uh, S.K. Pierce. I went to uh, Salem with a magic parlor where there's supposed to be an Ouija board possessed by seven demons. And it was cleared, but I drove it around in my car in the trunk because my now my ex-wife wouldn't let me bring in the house. And so I had like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I had. Uh, and, and at that point, I started hearing all these EVPs would come to me. Really weird. Yeah. And I had, a, I had another crazy experience, too. And so it was, I just, where am I going with this? Sorry. Uh, so it's, it's that... So, oh, here it is. So what, what I do, is I start my day uh, during around that time. I decide to start every day. And I say, you know, with gratitude, I express gratitude. And I said, I thank the Lord, my God, Jesus Christ, my Savior, God and angels, God and spirits in the universe for all the love and protections that you give me. Right. So I say that every day. And is, is that something, something like that, that people should say every day? Yes, everybody should be. Yes. I think everybody, like, it doesn't matter what religion you are or what it doesn't matter but yes i think everybody should be grateful and thankful and it is important and then i ask for yeah <laughs> after i yeah. say that by the way can you do this for me so. yes it's I, I i say don't be afraid to ask um and also don't be afraid to ask your loved ones talk to your loved ones ask your guardian angels ask your angels for help it's okay to do that but also be thankful don't forget to thank them also. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for being there for me. It's a balance of everything out there. And also we have to be practical too. Like you said, when you're getting involved in anything like paranormal or anything like that, protect yourself, you know, like sage, use things like that too, you know, uh, all those kind of things we need to use too. I'm a faithful person and, and I know people are like, oh yeah, you do paranormal stuff and all that, but yes. Yeah, that's I mean, a question I had. That's a good, that's a good segue because I was going to ask, how did, you know, my, well, he's an angel, so you think it would probably solidify your beliefs because I talk to different people and they're like, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I get that a lot when I talk to people in the field. Of course, right? yeah. Um, but, mm-hmm. but how did your experiences affect your, you know, you grew up in your belief. Um, did it strengthen it? Did it uh, divert it to a different direction? Or or wh- how did you net out? I think it strengthened it, to be honest, because I think it's made me, my faith stronger in the sense that I've always had a very strong faith, always. I do know that the church doesn't approve of what I do. I've come to terms with that. <laughs> you know, I've had to deal with that actually, personally. But I'm okay with that now because I believe that what I'm doing is a good thing. I do whatever I can to help people. I 
believe that I was given this gift by God and I believe I was given this gift for a reason. I didn't ask for it. You know, I didn't go looking for it. It just happened. And I do my best to, to connect people. And, and when I do connect people, I feel so good about it. And it brings a lot of closure and peace to people. So that brings me a lot of happiness and peace. I think it's a good thing. Well, that seems like a great place to stop on a high note. Thanks again to Colleen Costello, the Celtic Medium. You can find her on Facebook. Just search for the Celtic Medium. Next time, we're actually going to get dark. We're going to find out more about her process. And then we're going to talk about the one time she was literally chased off a ship, the USS Salem. So please do follow up on our next episode with Colleen called When Ghosts Attack. been listening to the afraid of nothing podcast please subscribe and like us on facebook until next time stay scared hey you're still here great then why not listen to another episode visit afraid of nothing podcast.com to peruse all the shows that's afraid of nothing podcast.com and while you're there Click the coffee cup icon to buy me a coffee and leave a review. I'll give you a shout out in an upcoming episode. And the world will know how swell you are.